Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. If this podcast helps you spiritually, will you consider helping us naturally? You can give online or become a monthly partner as we aim to help more ministries and release more content. You can give online today at thelife.cc. Enjoy today's message. Uh, Let's open up our Bibles today, if you brought them, at whatever campus you're at, to the book of Matthew, and we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6. We're in a teaching uh, on the subject of prayer, and today what we're going to talk about is give me my daily bread, uh, the art of listening prayer. Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 6. Jesus is speaking here. And he says the following, but you, so immediately identify yourself, Uh, he is talking to you, but you, when you pray, I love that, just the confidence that you will, not if you pray, but when you pray, Uh, you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetitions as the Gentiles do. For they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them. For your father knows what you have need of even before you ask him. Pray then in this way. Our father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This is what is commonly known as the Lord's Prayer. And we said this earlier in the series that the Lord's Prayer is not a prayer that the Lord prayed. Because in the prayer is the admission of sin and Jesus had no sin. Uh, The Lord's Prayer is a teaching on how you are to pray. And it identifies certain areas of prayer that need to be taught and need to be learned that will increase our effectiveness in it. One of the things that the Lord tells us to pray for is give me this day my daily bread. This is a prayer for provision. But what I want to look for today is for you to learn how to pray, not just for your natural provision, meaning God, pay my bills, uh, but prayer for your spiritual provision. Give me today my daily bread. If you're taking notes, you can write some of these things down. If you're not taking notes, you can still write some of these things down. They'll put them on the screens as following. Uh, Next screen. Prayer is a place where you listen and not just speak. It's designed to be a dialogue and not a monologue. A monologue is where there's only one speaker. A dialogue is where there's two. And prayer is not just this place where you go to talk to God. Prayer is a place where you go for God to talk to you. Um, It's a secret place. In fact, one of the things that Jesus corrected people on is when you come into prayer, don't come in with a lot of words. 
Uh, you know, don't come in like these people who think they will be heard for their, their many words. Uh, he's almost saying, come in with less words. Because prayer is not just a time to talk. Prayer is a time to listen. Um, prayer is, it's not just you communicating your will. In fact, this is why a lot of times prayer go, uh, goes unanswered is because that's what we're doing. We want our will to be done. Uh, we see things going on in our world and it's like, God, I want you to do this and I'd like you to do it this way and I'd like you to do it by this time. Thank you, please, in Jesus' name. We want God to do our will. And in James, James kind of teaches on this, and you can keep this up on the screens, by the way. I'm kind of teaching as we go to give you time to write this down. (laughs) James teaches on this, and he says, you have not, why? Every church, let me hear it. You have not, why? Because you ask not. And so out of this, he's teaching us ask. But then he says, and when you ask, you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own desires. He's saying, when you come to prayer, you come with all these preconceived ideas on what you want God to do. But prayer is not just this place where you're coming to God with, I want, I want, I want, I want, and here's what I want you to do, and like, my will be done. It is coming to where we're taking the time to listen because the goal of prayer is not our will to be done. The goal of prayer is your will, Father, be done. And it's impossible for his will to be done if you don't know what it is, which is why you pray, give me my daily bread. Uh, Prayer is the art of listening to his will. That I'm coming into prayer and I'm saying, teach me your will through your word, uh, the written word, teach me your will through the spoken word, show me your will. Uh, We're going up in prayer for fellowship, we're coming out of prayer with instruction. We're coming out of prayer with the knowledge of his will of how to treat our spouses, of how to handle our money, of how to uh, govern our church on on what to preach for in a message. We're we're not just taking our messages to God and being like, bless it. We are getting our messages from God because if it's from him, it's already blessed. It's his will. Um, So, so oftentimes we're taking our plans to God and asking him to bless it instead of discovering his will that's already blessed. And so prayer needs to be the art of listening as much as it is uh, speaking. It's a dialogue, not a monologue. And so when we pray, give me this day my daily bread, it is not just asking for physical provision, it is asking for spiritual provision. All throughout scripture, bread is likened to the word of God. Um, In fact, there's an, an instance right next door, so let's go and look at it. You're in Matthew 6, go over to Matthew 4. In Matthew 4, Jesus is going to be what I pray you are, led by the Spirit. And he's led by the Spirit into a very interesting place. He's led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And um, sometimes you'll find your life in this place, and it's where your convictions are deepening. It's where the voice of the Lord is clarifying. Um, It's a time of discipline. And, and in this, it's Jesus modeling this for us. And so he's here in this moment, 
putting under his body. He's fasting for 40 days. And so the enemy comes to try to break his discipline. And the thing that he comes for, of course, is his weak spot. Because how many of you know uh, the enemy watches you? Uh, He seeks whom he may devour. He walks about, Paul said, as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So he watches you to find your weak points, which is why you get tempted in the same areas. Uh, You've heard this term before, if you've walked with the Lord for some time, familiar spirits. It's just spirits who are familiar with you. And so you get tempted in the same areas for a reason, and it's because they're watching you to try to discover what are your weak points and tempt you there. Uh, So for Jesus, he's being watched. They see, oh, he hasn't eaten for 40 days. What do you assume Jesus is in this moment? Hungry, exactly. And so the first temptation we're going to see here, um, and watch what happens as this plays out in verse 2. So he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and he became hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. Now remember the prayer, give me this day my daily bread. Take these stones and make them bread. And he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So notice bread being likened unto the word of God. Now, this is very interesting because here we see this this two-sided coin of, yes, we need physical provision. Jesus didn't live on this earth without eating at all, but he limited his physical provision knowing that spiritual provision mattered more. And oftentimes when we're praying, we're praying for for our physical things when we need to be praying for our spiritual things. That there are things God wants to put in our hearts that when they're in place help us run our race far more than these physical things ever would. So we're praying for physical provision. God, give me a better job with more pay. Because that's what we're interested in. We're interested in physical provision. It's, it's turn the rock into bread. Satisfy my physical craving with something physical. And Jesus is saying like the, the deeper thing. And the deeper provision is not the physical substance that I find myself craving. It is the spiritual undertow of God speaking to me. And so I'm not living, I'm not finding my supply just based off of natural things. What I deem is more crucial in my life is the word of God. And here... Uh, What this word word means is the spoken word of God, the rhema. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so in our walk with the Lord, when we're saying, give me my daily bread, we're looking at the logos, which is the written word of God, your scripture. It's like, show me something from this. I don't want to just read it. I want it to read me. Give me my daily bread. I want to see a promise from your scripture. I want to see a promise from your word. Show me my daily bread. But it's not just me receiving the logos, the written word of God. It is also me receiving strength from the spoken word. Every word that proceeds out of his mouth. Give me my daily bread. Speak to my heart, Father, what I need for today. Speak to my heart, Father, what I need for this season. When you say, well, I've got financial need. What you need is not just money. You need a word. 
Well, I've got, I've got a, a problem in my body. What you need is not just healing, you need a word. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all of their fears. Don't just focus on the natural, focus on the spiritual. When you have a need, don't just say, God, meet the need physically. He meets the need spiritually. And when the need is met spiritually, then it is met physically. Give me this day my daily bread. Um, Jesus basically is saying here is I refuse to put into action what I have not discovered in prayer. I refuse to put into action what I have not discovered in prayer. Um, Jesus oftentimes would wait for the father's leading before he acted because he's not going to put in action what he has not discovered in prayer. And a lot of times we're taking all of this action and then asking God in prayer to bless the action instead of discovering in prayer the action that should be taken, knowing that when we discover that action and do it, heaven is going to invade earth. Uh, More on that in a minute. But this is not the only instance where Jesus is likening the word of God and hearing from God to bread. Another time it happened in John 4. Let's go look at that. John 4 in verse number 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus saying, Rabbi, which just simply means teacher, eat. Like take in physical substance, eat. And so Jesus said, he said unto them, I have food to eat of that you know not about. And they're like, did someone bring him Burger King? Like, what? <laughs> what is happening here? So the disciples were saying to one another, no one brought him anything to eat? Or did he? Or what happened? And watch what he says. Jesus said unto them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Um, so notice the, the construct here of Jesus is saying What I rely on for strength in my life is the knowledge of his will. And I place this as the premium in my life. And I pursue a place of submission to what that will is. And I want to come back to this um, and just solidify it in your heart of if you're coming to God solely in prayer with your will, you are missing it. Uh, Father, I want you to do this in my kids. I want you to do this in my marriage. I want you to do this in my spouse. I want you to do my will is what we're saying. And out of that, there is a measure of prayer where God comes to us and he's like, what is your will that your joy may be full? So there is a part of that. But the essence of prayer is not us praying our will, it is praying his will. It is returning his words back unto him. Father, you said in your words you would do this. Now, Father, I thank you, you will do this because it is your will. Uh, It's his will be done. Your will be done. Jesus said, when you pray, pray this way. Your will be done. I want your will to be done in my life. And so we need to take our time to not just pray, but as John 15 teaches us, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you will ask and it will be given unto you the things that you ask for. So he's saying it's not just you asking, it's you asking in light of his will. 
Now, here's something you need to know, and this is a little side trail, but it also sets up my next point, is you hear a lot of times people who are honestly not taught well, uh, they'll say this in prayer, Father, we thank you, you do this, if it be your will. Uh, and it's this, this badge of doubt that kind of attaches to it with an escape clause. Let me just help you. God loves pressure. You don't have to protect his reputation. Like for me, if, if you tore the roof off right now and dropped a man in front of me who was lame and being like, let's see how anointed you are. I would feel a lot of pressure. I'm like, you couldn't have done that in private. Like you couldn't have called uh, before you like, you know, did that. Jesus loved it. He loves the pressure. You don't need to protect his reputation. You need to put a demand on his, come on church. You need to put a demand on his ability. Uh, And so out of this, we want to take that out. And somebody, you know, if it be your will, like this badge of doubt, giving God an escape clause. No, we want to put a demand on his ability. Uh, We talked about that last week. Someone touched me. They're like, master, everybody's touching you. He's like, no, someone put a demand on my ability. Faith believes to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. It doesn't look at the giant. It's like, I hope this works. It's like, you're going to die and I'm going to cut your head off with your own sword and the birds are going to eat your flesh and your brothers are next. Like faith comes with this strong conviction in God. And somebody says, well, how do you know what God's will is? Well, it's real easy. First off, his word is his will. God's word is his will, which is why prayer is returning his word back unto him. His word is his will. Um, But secondly, uh, the simplest expression of the will of God is found in Matthew 6. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now think about that statement. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So where is God's will always done? In heaven, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will is always done in heaven. So if you're ever wondering, is this God's will? Just ask yourself this simple question. Is it in heaven? And if it's not in heaven, it's not God's will. And so immediately, you know, God's will is what is in heaven. And if this is not this way in heaven, I've got something I need to pray about. I got something I need to take to Jesus. And so there's no sickness in heaven. God's will is done in heaven. There's no sickness there. There's no depression there. There's no bitterness there. There's no division there. There's no strife there because God's will is always done in heaven. And so prayer is saying, God, I understand your will is done in heaven, but your will is not always done in earth. And so I'm going to pray so that your will is done in earth, just like your will is done in heaven. And if it's not done on earth the way it is in heaven, I've got something I need to be praying for right now. I don't have something I need to be worried about. I don't need, I have something I need to just be talking about. I got something I need to be praying about. Because I want your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, but here's what you need to know about this. is like whenever you discover God's will and you begin to pray it and do it, you're giving permission for heaven to invade earth. 
And so we have this idea like, well, if I surrender entirely to God's will and I'm not getting my will be done, where will that leave me? And the answer is it'll leave you in great shape because when God's will is done, God's will brings heaven to earth. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God's will, when it's done, allows heaven, get this in your heart, God's will, when it is done on earth, allows heaven to invade earth. Uh, So in Matthew 8, we're right there. Let's go look at it. We're in Matthew 4. Turn over a couple of verses uh, or a couple of chapters to Matthew 8. There's a man here. His name is the centurion. Um, and he lives in this region of Capernaum and watch us here in Matthew eight and verse number five, when Jesus entered into Capernaum, a centurion came to him, imploring him and said, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. And Jesus said unto him, well, I will come and I will heal him. But then centurion said, Lord, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof, but just speak the word only. What I need is a word. Give me my daily bread, but just speak the word only and my servant will be healed for I'm a man under authority and I have soldiers unto me and I say to this one, go and he goes to another one, come and he comes to another, do this and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said unto those who were following truly, I say unto you, I've not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. Notice faith is demonstrated in kingdom understanding. Faith is demonstrated in kingdom understanding. And this centurion, because of his job and occupation, had an understanding of the kingdom that his disciples did not even have. He said, I understand I am men under my authority and what they're waiting for is my word. But when they have my word, they have the empowerment that they need to act. Without my word, if they act, there is no empowerment. If my soldiers under me take action without my word, there is nothing backing them. That if they do something out of my word or out of my command, they are out of the will of the army. But if I give them the command to do it, now they are operating with my empowerment to do the thing that I asked them to do because they're not operating out of their will, they're operating under my will. And so here's what I know, Lord, is I don't even need you to come in my house. All I need is for you to say the word because when I get the word, I get the empowerment. That without the word, I don't have the power, but when you speak it, it is your will, and with your will comes your empowerment. And Jesus is like, he marveled. And he's like, I have not, he turned to his disciples, which you know this hurt just a little, just a little, if you're the disciples. He turns to them, he's like, I have not found so great faith, no, not in all of Israel. But he understood the difference of operating in your own strength versus operating in the empowerment of the will of your superior. He said, for I am a man under authority too. And and out of this, we want to be people under authority. We're not coming to God and being like, here's my authority and my will, go do it. We're coming to God saying, what is your will? 
because all I need is your word. And if you give me my daily bread, I will not live off natural things alone. I will live and go in the power of every word that proceeds out of your mouth. Give me my daily bread. All throughout scripture, when you see God's word enter the story, you see physical limitations be taken off. Uh, Water into wine. Uh, Whatever he tells you to do, do it. And when they got the word, they received the empowerment to override physical limitations. When they got the word, they received the empowerment to override physical limitations. Everything in the natural said it can't happen. Water cannot turn into wine. But it can when it's being done under the word of God, because when God speaks, you're not just operating underneath your ability. Now you're operating at his command, which has his power on it. So whatever he tells you to do, do it. And when they did that, the natural bowed to the supernatural. Jesus became Lord because he was obeyed. And when he was obeyed, the earth obeyed. Heaven invaded earth and water became wine. Um, You see the disciples fish all night. Peter fishes all night, catches nothing. He's frustrated. That's not in heaven. Frustration's not in heaven. As in heaven, so on earth. Frustration's not in heaven. Jesus is watching this. He's like, ah, a moment where heaven needs to invade earth. And so out of this, Peter's frustrated, fished all night, caught nothing. And Jesus said, I want you to launch out your net uh, out and into the deep and catch a great drought. You're going to get a big catch. And Peter says, I fished all night and caught nothing. But nevertheless, oh, come on, church, nevertheless, at your word. Because if I receive your word, I receive your empowerment. If I'm operating under your word, I'm operating under your empowerment. Nevertheless, at your word, I will launch out into the deep and I will let down my net. And he goes out there, he launches out into the deep, he lets down his net. And when he does, the natural was invaded by the supernatural. Heaven came into earth and frustration was was replaced with exhilaration and exaltation because now somebody is seeing the amazing power of God in a way that they had never seen it before meeting their physical needs not because Peter asked God to do his will but because Peter waited on God to give him his will and when he went under the strength of that word he caught the whole lake Peter walking on water. He's walking on water. And we know he's not just walking on water. What is he walking on? He's walking on the word. If it's you, Lord, bid me to come. And when he gets a word in his life and for his life and steps out on that word, every physical, I want this in your spirit, church, every physical limitation was overrided by the supernatural. The natural bowed to King Jesus because Peter was submitting to that word come. He waited to hear Jesus's will, but as soon as he heard it, he went in the strength of that word. 
And what we are to do in life is at moments of frustration, what I need, it's like, I need him to fix it. Yes, you do. But how he fixes it is he gives you a word for that frustration. It's not just inviting God into that frustration. It's God, give me my daily bread to go in the strength of. Because when I approach this frustration with your word, I'm not just approaching it with my ability and strength. I'm approaching it in your command, which means it has your backing. This is literally the definition of faithfulness. Well done, good and faithful servant. A faithful servant is just somebody who is doing what the master is asking them to do. If you hired me to come paint your bathroom and you said, I, I, I want you to paint. I heard you're a great painter. I'm not. That's my wife. Uh, but uh, like, uh, if you hired me and my wife to come paint your, your bathroom, I would supervise. She would paint. Uh, and so out of that, if you hired us to come paint your bathroom, you said, I want it painted white. And we came in and painted it the most beautiful shade of green you've ever seen in your life, at least to us. And then came and said, and I want you to pay me for it. And it was done with excellence. And I'm petitioning you for payment. We might reach a conundrum. Because even though I did it with excellence, I didn't do it with faithfulness. Because faithfulness is not just excellence. Faithfulness is doing what you want me to do. And not just what I want you to do that I want you to pay for. And so many times God is like, paint the bathroom white. And we're like, we're painting it green. Pay me for it. And he's like, but you're not doing what I'm asking you to do. You're doing your will and I will bless that as much as I can. And you may be even doing your will with excellence. But if you will do my will with faithfulness, you will see my will with faithfulness will go further than your will with excellence. But nevertheless, at your word, at your word, give me this day my daily bread. At your word, I will surrender to it. And when he surrendered to it naturally, it surrendered to him spiritually. And he went in the strength of that word. We need a word from God. And that's what listening prayer is. It's coming to God saying, God, I need you to speak to me. So how do we do it? I'll close with this. Number one, you want to prioritize solitude. Prioritize solitude. Uh, Jesus said, we read it to start in Matthew 6. When you pray, do what? Go into your secret place and then do what? Shut the door. What's he saying with that? Eliminate distraction. Eliminate distraction. Uh, Jesus in his earthly walk would often find places of solitude. He would walk away from the masses. In fact, the disciples would come to him. They're like, everybody seeks you. And he's like, I know. Uh, That's why I'm here. And he would go deep into the garden, deep into it. He would like climb a mountain and tell his disciples, I'll meet you on the lake. Don't worry, I'll walk on water. Like, but I, I need a moment. I need a moment of connection with the Father. When John the Baptist uh, died, Jesus said, I need to go to the coast. I need to go to the beach. <laughs> I, I need a moment of solitude. Jesus would have these moments of not, not succumbing to the pressure around him, but finding peace and guidance from the Lord that comes from shutting the door. 
of I, I don't need distraction. Um, you see a lot of these examples of God calling people up. Uh, I'll give you an example in Exodus. And when Moses received the Ten Commandments, he went up the mountain for fellowship. He came down with instruction. He went up the mountain with fe- for fellowship. He came down the mountain with instruction. Prayer is going up the mountain for fellowship. It's coming down from the mountain with instruction. I go up to hear from God. I come down on how to live. And so Moses is having this moment, but watch what happens. The Lord comes down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. This is prayer. Uh, It's leaving the camp. It's leaving the title. Um, Many of you in here have many titles, and somebody's like, nah, Pastor John, I mean titles. Yes, you do. Highland Colony, Poindexter, Fondren, Online, Lakeland. You have many titles. I am a father. I am also an employer. I'm also a pastor. Uh, Some of you are also a coach. You're a brother. You're a sister. And we live out of the strength of all these titles. Listen to me. I'm your father. You know, or I'm just a son or whatever it may be. But oftentimes we lose our identity of the first thing we are. And this is before you were the son of Joel Sims or before you were the husband of Peppy Sims or before you were, um, you know, the employer of name whoever. You are a son and daughter of God. And prayer understands that's my chief identity. And that until I am an effective daughter and son of God. I'll not be effective in any other role. And so I leave the things of this earth. I leave the responsibility. I leave the titles. I leave all of these things. And I draw near to God in prayer. And I I come to him in a moment of surrender and say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. In my own life, I have found listening prayer to be the hardest type of prayer because so many times I come into God uh, rushing with my will of urgent things in my life that need to be done. But the older I get, the more I find the simplicity of just saying, Lord, give me a word. I know what I need in this moment is a word. So I'm coming up for fellowship. Speak, Lord. And finding those moments of solitude. And I I want you to practice that. I want you to find places that you enjoy. Find a place you enjoy that you can escape to. Where, Where can you in your home shut the door mentally? Um, Maybe for you, it's like nowhere in the home. I need to go walk, (laughs) whatever it may be. Find a space in your life to connect with your father. Climb the mountain, connect with him. Um, Jesus said this in the book of Revelations. Um, John is having this moment, Revelations 4. And after these things, he said, I looked and behold, there was a, I love this analogy, a door standing open, not cracked, a door that is standing open. And the first voice which I heard, which is the the voice of a trumpet speaking with me, said, come up here. Come up here. Why are you still down there? Come up here. And watch what happens when you come up and I will show you. I will show you what you need to see. But I can't show you unless you come up. You gotta climb the mountain." And and climbing the mountain is practicing this art of solitude. And it takes a lot of discipline to get to the place where you truly know how to shut the door. Because oftentimes when you're alone physically, you're clouded mentally with all these other voices that are competing for your attention. Probably none more so than your phone. 
And God is saying, I got to rain a word for you in this season that will change everything in the natural. And the thing that you're frustrated over when it's surrendered to my word and you get a word over that, it'll bring heaven to earth every single time. There's an open door between me and you. Come up higher. Climb the mountain. The second thing I want to do is I want to listen actively. I don't want to listen passively. I want to listen actively. I I love this young man in Samuel under the instruction of Eli just coming to the Lord with this very strong command. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Speak, Lord, for I am listening. And my question is, it's like, well, Pastor, I just want God to speak to me. It's like, are you listening? And to come to a place where honestly with the Lord, you're like, I am, I am listening. I'm not checking my phone. I'm not going through email. I am listening. Speak, Lord. I am listening, not passively, actively. I am here at your command. Speak to me about my children. Speak to me about my marriage. Speak to me about my finances. Speak to me about my life. Speak to me about my pride. Speak to me about any arena of my life that needs to be surrendered to you. Speak, Lord, give me my daily bread. And at this place where you hold up scripture and say, speak to me, Lord, out of this. This is not a book to me. I don't want to just read it. I want it to read me. Speak, Lord. Coming to him with the spirit saying, guide me, instruct me, be what you said you would be to me. Speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. There's a moment in in Kings where Elijah comes before the Lord and he's tired. And the Lord makes him a cake, wakes him up, and he tells him to eat it. It's the first case ever of angel food in scripture. Um, And he eats this angel cake, and he goes in the strength of that cake for 40 days. I'll come back to that. And and here he is in this moment, and there's a, a fire, but God wasn't in the fire. And an earthquake, but God wasn't in the earthquake. And then came a still, small voice. That if you're not in the secret place and you haven't climbed the mountain, you're just not going to hear because a whisper invites intimacy. A whisper invites intimacy. And the reason why he's whispering is not because he doesn't want you to to, to hear it. He wants you to come close. He whispers not because he doesn't want you to hear it. He whispers because he wants you close. He whispers not because he doesn't want you to hear it. He whispers because he wants you close. And in the secret place, what you're doing is you're inviting that intimacy and you're listening actively. And somebody says, well, Pastor Joel, I'm doing that, but God's not speaking. If that's really the case, it's because he's already spoken. If you're really listening and you're not hearing, it's because he's already spoken. And somebody says, well, what do you mean by that? Sometimes God gives daily bread, but sometimes he gives you a word for a season. This particular bread that Elijah ate, he went in the strength of it for 40 days. And and he's taking in this nourishment and he's able to go in the strength of it for 40 days. And sometimes God will give you a word for a season that is designed by God to carry your frustration for a season. 
And you need to go back to that word every day and say, Father, you said this, and this is what I'm praying about. I'm not praying about my will. You said this. I'm praying about your will. I'm giving you this. And that's the last thing is is I want to, to come and live purposefully. That what is success? Success is the accomplishment of his will, period. And I understand that when I am a doer of the word and not just a hearer of it only, I'm inviting heaven to invade earth. And when I place an emphasis on out of all the things I do in life, I will be faithful. A good and, fa- good and faithful is enough. A good man, a good daddy, a good husband. And then faithful, I'm doing whatever you want me to do. I took that daily bread that you gave me and I went in the strength of it. I took that daily bread that you gave me and I prayed it and I spoke it and I contended for it. And then Jesus comes and he's like, well done. That is enough. Good and faithful is enough. Live purposefully. So let's come to a moment at the end of our service today where we just invite the Lord to speak to her heart. I'm going to invite the worship teams to come out to every uh, single platform that's available at all of our campuses. And let's have a moment in prayer where we just surrender to the Lord. And so I'm going to pray and then we'll worship at all of our campuses. I'll invite everyone here at Lakeland, everyone at Fondren, Poindexter, Highland Colony. Let's stand to our feet here in honor of the Lord. Uh, This is not a time uh, to move or be active. This is a time to surrender. Um, We will, in a moment, at all of our campuses, bow our heads. This is not tradition or religion. This is saying, I want my heart higher than my head. I want the convictions of this greater than the worries of this. And so we're going to have a moment at all of our campuses where we pray, where we bow our head to our heart, and then out of that, we will actively worship and close our services. So let me pray for you. Father, as we bow our heads, we say, Father, let our hearts be greater than our heads. Let our our souls be surrendered to your will. Let your will, Father, be done in our families. Let your will, Father, be done in our homes. Let your will, Father, be done in our children. Father, let heaven invade earth in all of our lives because we are people who take the time to hear and do your will. And as we draw near to you today at all of our campuses, Father, in worship, we ask that as you draw near to as we draw near to you that you would draw near to us and we say father speak lord for your sons and your daughters we are listening give us this day our daily bread in Jesus name amen